Good morning. Last service, I only talked to this section, so I'll probably talk only to this section. There we go. Good choice, right? No, I'll try to rotate around. Um, I'm Trisha, married to Troy. I only do this a couple times a year, so I'm not as polished as him, but I'll try to give you something, some of my thoughts this morning. How does that sound? So last week, Troy talked about um, grace and receiving grace. And the definition of grace is something that we get that we don't deserve. So it's unmerited favor of God. So in simple terms, that means you get something that you didn't actually earn or deserve. So he talked all about that and what that looked like and, and what God did for us by sending his son down and dying on a cross and raising again and giving us that gift. That's grace. We couldn't earn that. He said, you cannot earn your way. Um, into a relationship with me. You can't uh, uh, work your way through it. You have to actually receive it. It's a gift, something you cannot earn. So he talked about that last week. And I think uh, always a great reminder, especially following right after Easter and the beautiful picture of what Christ did for us. Um, and then to follow that and just talk about what is grace. So this week they asked me to talk about grace given. And grace given, they said, you actually can't give it. So they just told me, good luck with that, um, because there's not really any way to teach how grace is given. And so as we dialogue more and more about it, we came up with some thoughts about it. And, and I've been praying about this. I've known about it for a few weeks now and, and uh, some of the stories that have come to mind. And so I'd love to share those with you this morning. So if grace can't be given... Um, how do we give it? What is grace? So grace given is actually Jesus. Like if you had to say what is grace given, you'd have to say that it's actually Jesus. He does it through you. So you can't actually extend grace at all. It has to come because of a relationship with God, and then you can extend grace through you. Um, one uh, uh, a, a great person said this a long time ago. It says, grace is heaven's poetry etched on our lives. So when we think about Jesus coming and dying on the cross for us and rising again, offering this gift, well, then it becomes, when you receive that, it becomes etched on your life. So it's a part of you. So then you start thinking about giving grace, and you think, okay, how do I give grace? A lot of times we say, oh, I'm going to give them lots of grace on this. I'll give them a whole bunch of grace. But actually, you don't. You actually give them mercy. You should be saying, I'm going to give them a whole bunch of mercy, because that's not getting what they do deserve. But grace, you can't earn. So how do we give it? How do we actually give it? So we'll talk about that this morning. There's a passage in 2 Corinthians that says, Your very lives are a letter that anyone can read by just looking at you. Isn't that cool? And he's writing to a group that he's saying exemplifies who Christ is. He said, Christ himself wrote it, not with ink, but with God's living spirit, not chiseled into stone, but carved into human lives, and we publish it. And so what they're saying is they see Christ in these people. So they must be seeing grace flow through them, right? So the way I thought about um, explaining that was using this, a conduit, right? So if we think of it this way, if, if God is pouring his grace down into our lives, we accept that, right? So it's coming down through here. Oh, actually, Troy made a really cool slide for me. Is that cute or what? Okay. 
so grace is, it does come down to us. We can't actually create it in us, okay? So grace comes down through us, and when it does, it flows out of us. Does that make sense? We can't produce it. That's why it's this shape. It has to come down. It has to come down into our lives. We have to actually experience grace from God, and then it will flow out. Um, I was telling Troy, I was trying to think of a way to explain it from our family. And usually, so let me back up a minute. If this is coming into your life and it starts to flow out, it's because you're focusing on him, right? So when our girls were little, we had two um, CDs that uh, our girls would listen to in the car. And so one of them was Aaron Carter. Does anybody remember Aaron Carter? I'll look at the younger crowd. Although it's, I'm probably too old for that. Okay. So Aaron Carter is our favorite CD. We knew the whole um, candy. I'm trying to think of some of the songs. It was so funny. But we'd know every word, including me. So I would shout it out to in our van. We'd crank it and sing it. Okay, so one day Haley comes in the house, and she, this is the other CD, and she's doing something, I can't remember what, and all of a sudden, out of her mouth comes, man, I feel like a woman. <laughs> she was only five. Who is it? Thank you, Shania Twain. Wow, impressive. And so now I'm confessing that we like Shania Twain. But my point is that Haley didn't even realize it was coming out of her mouth. It just came out. She just said it. And she didn't even know what she was saying. It was like, man, I feel like a woman. You kind of want to go, what does that mean to you? You know? And to her, it's just the song. But to me, I kind of look at grace that way. That when grace starts to pour into your life and you're really experiencing his grace, it's going to come out. It's just going to start to flow out of you. It will be a reaction that you have. Now, what kind of things stop this grace? What do you guys think? Probably, oh, being um, full of ourselves maybe a little bit. Like, I have better answers. Or maybe I start just looking at you and I think, I'm better than that person. And and so I have a better decision. So I'm going to handle this this way. So I start putting those in. Or maybe I think um, I just anger. Bitterness, maybe. Maybe bitterness. Well, I really truly believe that it is where you begin to start looking only through this way. So I only have that connection with you. Instead of remembering what God did for me, and then it stops that your reaction, my reaction to you isn't out of grace. My reaction is going to be what I think is best. So last week, Troy was getting up here to speak on grace, and we were sitting in these two chairs, and we were fighting. And you guys didn't know that, so we, we kept it hidden. And so, um, well, maybe some of you saw it and noticed it. It was kind of like, I'd smile, and then I'd say something to another. And the whole time I knew he was getting up here to speak about grace, but I didn't care. I was going to win this argument. I believed I was right that I had the right answer, and, and I thought to myself, well, I'll get the last word in, and then... When we get home, oh, we will talk about this. But it's because I thought I knew. There was no, it's so funny because I even thought to myself, oh, he's getting up to talk about grace. This is awesome because he's not extending any grace to me. (laughs) And, of course, it was all about what he wasn't doing for me. And so I just pretty much shoved it in there nice and tight because there was no way I was going to actually 
allow God to speak through me. Allow him to maybe change my heart on it, which he didn't, but no, I'm kidding. <laughs> he did. But when you think about that and then you start to look upward instead of this way and you start to see people with the eyes that he sees them, it starts to unclog this a little bit. You know what I mean? And then all of a sudden his grace can flow through us again. But you guys, I confess it is every day. It is every day I have to do that. It is not a one and done. It's not like today you will leave and you will know how to give grace and you will do it because... That's how we operate. There's no great formula. It's not like, oh, good, I'm good now. You have to actually make that decision to not focus on what's going on this way, but what goes on this way, because, boy, it affects this way, doesn't it? So the scripture that landed for me to talk about this, um, oh, there we go, is in Luke 15. If you guys don't have a Bible and you want to follow in a Bible, we actually have some in the back and you can take them home with you. So I'm going to give you some backstory to this, actually. Don't read this yet. So I'll set the story first. And if you want to grab a Bible, go for it. Not a big deal. Okay, so this story is actually Jesus talking to... There's, there's two different groups of people. Um, He's talking to tax collectors and sinners. Remember how um, Jesus, oh my gosh, I almost called Troy Jesus. (laughs) (laughs) Oh gosh. Oh. Well, I didn't trip up the stairs, but I did say that. Okay. Um, Okay, so he's talking to tax collectors and sinners. And and it's so funny that he always says tax collectors because... I think he thinks they are the worst of the worst, and, and they must be. So he lumps, he always says sinners, which I think covers pretty much everybody. But then he always says, and those tax collectors. So it's funny. So he's talking to them. That's how it starts in this chapter. And then these Pharisees, and Pharisees are just like um, teachers that were back then. So they were the leaders, the leadership of the church, if you want to call it that. And they also say the, the teachers of the law. They were listening, and they started grumbling. And they were saying, you know, why does Jesus hang out with these sinners and all these tax collectors? And so they're grumbling about it. So Jesus decides to answer their question with three stories. So he always talks in parables. And so he tells three parables in Luke 15. The first parable is about the lost coin. And the second one is about the lost sheep. And it's really to show God's love for the lost um, coin or sheep or person. But then the third story is where I want to pick up. So if you want to read in your Bible, it's in Luke 15. If you want to just read up on the screen, I'm great with that. So we'll read this together. And you've heard this story over and over. This is sometimes they call it the prodigal son or the lost son. So this is a story we're going to focus on today. It says, Jesus continued, there was a man who had two sons. And the younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. And not long after that, the younger son got together all that he had, and he set off for a distant country, and there he squandered his wealth in wild living. And after he'd spent everything, there was a severe famine in that whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country, and he sent him, this guy, sent him to the fields to feed pigs. And he was so hungry that he wanted to eat the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything to eat. And when he came to his senses, so now he realizes, wow, I'm really at the bottom here. He says, how many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. 
In other words, he just sees, wow, I could really benefit if I had it home. I'll set out, go back to my father, and I'll say to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So what he's saying here is, he takes all his money, spends it foolishly, ends up living with pigs and not having any food and thinking, wow, even the food that the pigs are eating look good and I'll just eat that, right? And he doesn't think his uh, way of, he doesn't think he's going to make it. So he decides, I'm going to head back home um, to my father and I'm going to prepare this huge speech and I'll just beg him to let me just even be one of his servants. That would be perfect, because even then, I'll at least have something to eat. So he heads home, and what I love about that, it's such a beautiful picture of us. For those of you that call yourselves believers, there's probably a point that you can look back on in your life where you feel like you got to that place where you turned and you went home. Like there was an actual conscious decision, right? It wasn't just, oh, I stumbled on it. It was a, I realized my need to go home to the Father, right? So there's a conscious decision to go home. So in order to give grace to others, you have to remember when you went home. You have to come home. You have to realize it. For those of you that don't know who Jesus is, he is offering this grace. He is saying, come home, turn toward me. I have something for you. I have something great for you. And you can't earn it, but I want to give it to you. Isn't that beautiful? So let's see what the father does. Let me pick up in verse 20. So he got up and he went to his father. But while he was a, still a long while off, his father saw him. And he was filled with compassion for him. So he ran to his son. He threw his arms around him and he kissed him. And the son said to him, okay, so here's his big speech. Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you, and I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father says to his servants, quick, bring your best robes and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger, sandals on his feet. Bring the fatted calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and let's celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is still alive. He was lost and is found so let's begin to celebrate. So the next step not only is to come home, but then after you realize that God's grace has been poured on you, it's running toward. It's running toward. So now your reaction out of receiving God's grace is to run toward somebody with the grace that God's pouring through you. So sometimes we think, oh, well, Grace being given, I'll just let somebody else give that out to them. It's actually where you now begin to model the father. Let's think about what he did. He ran toward him. Well, back then in the Middle East culture, you didn't run to anything as a man. That was just unheard of. It was very undignified. And so if you can picture now he's talking to these the people that know that, like that, that's common to them. And for them to hear that the father actually, uh, from a long way off, ran toward his son, probably pulled his robe up and just took off running, you know. And for the son to see that reaction to him coming home is overwhelming. 
Like you picture him running toward him and hugging him and kissing him. I think of Jordan coming home, and I'm sure there was this reunion. That's my niece. Came home from college. That reunion of just, oh, I love you. I love you. And here is the son who now prepared the speech. And I don't know if you guys noticed this, but his whole speech didn't even get out. He got out, I disappointed you, but he didn't quite get to the part, well, I'll just be your servant, before the father just said, no, 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 wait a minute. I'm so excited you're here. Let's throw a party. Let's, you know, get rings. Let's, let's get a robe. Let's throw it on you. Let's celebrate that you're here. Let's, you know, pull out the best steaks. Let's, let's do everything possible to celebrate that you're here. And so the father gives rings and robes. I'm sure the son of his, you know, when you think about it, I'm sure the son was feeling like, okay, no, wait a minute. Are you talking about me or the other son? Because you know what I did, right? I mean, and I'm sure he's so ashamed. So the son is now looking to the father and saying, are you actually throwing that party for me? You know, you know I spent all your money, and I ran away with it and never to come back. I kind of disowned you. Are you sure this party's for me? And so when you remember back to the grace that's poured out on you, it should start naturally flowing out of you. Does that make sense? I don't know if you can allow the grace to flow out of you without remembering going back to and remembering coming home. I don't know if you can do it. I don't believe you can, because the grace has to come from him. Now, there is a second son, and I do want to point him out, because I think that it's important to remember that this son never did walk away with all the money. He actually stayed with the dad, and he worked hard, and he served, you know, in, um, worked out in the fields, and, and just was very faithful to the dad. Well, that son, now we won't read about it, I'll just tell you about him, he was out in the field, and he heard the party. He heard the party happening for the other son. He knew the other son was gone and what he did. And so he, he kept a record, believe me. And so he noticed the party was happening. Well, when he noticed it, he got angry, and he wouldn't go into the party. And I think Jesus told this part for those Pharisees, or maybe for some of us, like me. And what he did was, if you notice, I never noticed this in the story when I read it, but he also went out and pursued that son. Isn't that cool? That he says, son, come in. We're celebrating your brother. He's come back. And the son gets angry. Says, I, I've been here. I've done all these things for you. And this is what Jesus um, tells in the story. Let me read it to you. It's so good. He just says, my son, you are always with me. Everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad. Because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And I think what, what I believe what Jesus was saying to him was, look in my eyes. You lost focus. You're looking at your brother. Look at my eyes. See your brother through my eyes. I see him as lost and found again. We got to celebrate. And if you start to see him the way I see him, I think you'll be able to pour grace out, Right? And I think, oh my goodness, what a gorgeous picture because I needed to hear that. Because I don't always run toward somebody that I should probably be allowing God's grace to flow through me to. 
Do you guys identify with that? Come on, you must have people that you don't really want to let the grace flow through. <laughs> Thank you. I've got one person here. Thank you. The rest of you are all liars. And I think to myself, I do not have God's eyes the way he sees that person. And I'm probably getting in the way of him trying to extend grace to them too. Does that make sense? So if I don't see them the way God sees them, I mean, Troy's a perfect example. If I don't see him the way God sees him, flawed, as flawed as I am, but if I see him with his eyes, I then allow the grace to flow through me. Any other way, it's not really grace. You know what it is? It's power. It's me deciding when and where and how this grace will be extended. That's me controlling it, me deciding how it works. Does that make sense? Now on the flip side, when I think about running toward or giving robes, I think there's always that, did I experience that? Well, you do through Christ. My question would be, have you ever experienced it through someone else? God just pouring his grace out through them. Because I have. When I was in college, I went my freshman year, back to the college, don't follow my example. Okay, I'm just going to say that right now. Um, so my first year of college, I uh, went to Moody Bible Institute, it's Bible school, and I did okay the first semester, but the second semester, I completely bombed it, and I failed. I failed. Um, <laughs> try not to tell you guys that. Um, and I had a GPA of 0.67, which is, if that tells you anything about how, what I did, I really wasn't actually going to school at that point. Um, but I went home to Wapaka, a little town about an hour from here, and that's where my parents were. My dad owned a little store, so I got an apartment upstairs with my girlfriend and started working at a local restaurant, Hardee's. And um, <laughs> yeah, career move for me. And um, I started dating a guy who didn't know the Lord. And I thought, wow, that's pretty cool. I've always been surrounded by Christians. Um, and here's this guy who thinks I'm pretty neat, and he doesn't even know the Lord. So for whatever reason, that was attractive to me. And I think I was on a downward spin anyway. And started dating him. And um, later to find out, and we, we were really practically living together. We might as well have been. And I found out later that he was actually engaged the whole time that we were dating. And he was just making sure he liked her, which he did, apparently, because he left. And um, I remember getting to that point where I just lost interest in working, you know, just hit that bottom, you know, that bottom in your life that you feel like, how did I get here? And my mom, I still was attending church on and off. And I can remember going to church, you guys. I can picture what it looked like. I can picture sitting next to her. And I remember sitting next to her so ashamed and thinking she didn't really know everything that was going on. But now that I'm a mom with older kids, I realize she probably did know everything that was going on. And um, I remember her reaching over and putting her hand on my knee and saying, honey, why don't you come home? And I just thought, really? Do you know what I've been doing? <laughs> Do you know who you're talking to? Because... I'm not that daughter that you think I am. And she said, come home. 
I'll take care of you, you know, I'll get the robes and the rings and we'll celebrate you being back. And I can remember I got to a point where I couldn't even move my stuff out of my apartment. I think my dad and my mom both went and packed my stuff up and brought it home. And for me, when I think about experiencing God's grace through someone, I think, thank God my mom responded to that and saw me with different eyes. You know, moms are pretty special anyway. But boy, she really extended grace because I am sure she was probably very angry with me. And yet she decided to just extend that grace to me. And I am so grateful for it. <laughs> the last service, someone came up to me and said, I don't care that your GPA was 0.67. And I thought, oh, I forgot to tell people I did get it back up again <laughs> the next year. <laughs> it's all about me, you know, making sure I'm okay. You guys all think I'm awesome. Um, my confessions. Um, but man, when you experience that through someone, you want to, if you, if you can keep that focus on him and what he's done for you, oh my gosh, what God can do through you is amazing. It's amazing. And you think of the people that need the grace given to them probably through a lot of you. And it's beautiful. It's just beautiful. I had a girl walk up to me at the last service and say, you know, I have a lady who's been pouring into me, pouring into me, and now she's at a place where she lost a loved one, and I don't know what to do, you know. And you talk about, oh, just run toward, run toward and see her the way Christ sees her and allow him to minister to her through you. You don't have to figure that out. That's the beautiful thing, is that grace is him wanting to flow through you into someone else. So I'm going to give you an opportunity this morning to to exercise some of that and and it'll be a great experience but I don't want you to miss my challenge to you to when you realize you've come home then run towards someone I know you have someone in mind I know that we all have people in our lives that are difficult or you're struggling with and I think oh man I want to challenge you not to miss that part not to miss the, okay, Lord, I am going to look to you. I'm going to see this person through your eyes, and I'm going to open that conduit and allow your grace to flow through, and you do what you want to do. And I trust that it will work the way you want it to. And I just so want to challenge you with that. But before um, you do that, this morning I have, I have a great opportunity for you because sometimes grace is given you don't even realize it. You know, sometimes you have opportunities in front of you and you'll never see the results, maybe this side of heaven. You might not even know that God used you. You might say something to someone and you think it's nothing, but for them, it was a huge running toward and you don't even know it. So this morning, I have an opportunity for you, and that's kind of what the area that I work in, which is the go area, is to get you, give you opportunities to um, extend yourselves and um, work with organizations outside of our church. And this morning is Compassion Sunday. It was probably not a big surprise. You saw the sign and the tables. But we're going to do something a little bit different this morning. I have letters around the room, and actually there's some up here on the stage. And there's 1,200 kids that Compassion sent us, 1,200 names. So each letter has a child's name on it. This one is, uh, I'm telling you, sounding these out are so hilarious. Um, Jumeni, 
I'm sure I'm not saying that right. Uh, Gemini, Gemini, Gem anyway. <laughs> so his, her name, I'm thinking him, um, is on this letter. There's not, there's, there's 1,200 kids' names, 1,200 kids' names on these letters. And I'm asking you if you will allow yourselves to be open and ask God, what would you like to say to this child through me? So these are kids that are already in centers in Haiti, and we ask Compassion to send them to us, and sometimes these kids don't get any letters at all. They might be sponsored, which is wonderful. These letters have a huge impact on these kids. And we just thought, what a great opportunity for you guys to get a chance to write a letter to a child. So I'll coach you in a minute, but this is one of your opportunities this morning. There's also packets over there. I can't um, have a Compassion Sunday and not put before you a bunch of kids that still need sponsoring. There's 180 kids around the room, and you are more than welcome to go around and look at them and talk to the people at the tables. They have great information about how to sponsor a child this morning. But this, I really want you guys to write letters. I would love to see us. Our goal is to get 1,200 letters out to these kids. They'll translate them and deliver them for us all in the same day, which is so cool. And Compassion even wrote us a letter and, and, and told us uh, how they felt about it. But I'll, I'll give you a coaching in a minute. Um, but what I want to tell you about that, actually, hang on one second. I don't want to miss anything. Oh, yes. Oh, yeah, yeah. Cool, cool, cool. Okay. Um, in the back over here on this side, I know you're not all going to be able to go over here, but there is a young man here that Tony, who's been writing a child for like um, 10 years, yeah, 14 years, there we go, and he actually went and met this boy, and you know what he brought with him? Like this shoebox full of letters, because they were all the letters that they've been writing to each other. And when Troy and I, and so he's got him here. So if you want to go and see him, it's so cool. He would love to show it to you. So he's set up over there. When Troy and I went to um, a compassion center together, we saw a girl that gave a testimony that said, the letter that I got, one letter from her sponsor the whole time, but the one letter she did get was so encouraging. She kept it, reread it. She said it's what inspired her to move forward to continue in her faith and walk with God, to pursue a career, to go to college. She said that one letter had that much effect on her. And so when I think about God's grace flowing through our church, and I know you guys are amazing at this stuff, it's so exciting to think that 1,200 kids will get your letter and could possibly carry them for a very long time and be inspired to follow after God. So I'm going to give you that opportunity this morning. I'm not going to pressure you. You're welcome to pass on it if you want to. You could go back and just look at kids and see the kids that can be sponsored. If you do and you can't sponsor, pray for them. They would love your prayers. Pray for those kids. Pray for a sponsor that would feel inspired to take that child. So you have a couple of different options, but mostly I would love for you to write some letters. There's pens and stickers on the back table. You can add a sticker to your letter, and when you're done, you can put them in these mailboxes. So Bobby wants to come up here. Um, he's going to just play some instrumental music, but I'm all about like getting up and making noise and talking, and um, I would ask you not to leave, because we will come back together and sing and, and pray together, and we'd love you to stay, um, stay with us to the end, and that would be wonderful. Well, let me pray for us as we go and do this. Father God, I just uh, 
wow, I get excited about our body extending and using and um, using their abilities and allowing your grace to flow through them. Father, it's hard for us to keep our eyes on you. It's, it's so easy to get distracted. And so, God, I pray you remove any of those barriers for us, even this morning, as we think about these kids. And that, Father, you'd use us to encourage these kids, to love on them. And I ask this all in your name. Amen.